0: You are watching Break the Business, where we empower indie creators and have some fun along the way. I'm Ryan Carella. It is a pleasure to have you here this week. I got JC. I got Alisa. I got the combination, JC and Alisa. How are you guys doing? My- welcoming my co-hosts for this episode, Alisa and JC. How are you? I'm so excited to see you guys.
1: It's 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 a thrill. <laughs> it's a pleasure it is um, it is a divine pursuit, and I'm happy to be here I can't believe you
0: undersold it <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. well, <laughs> way to downplay it
0: well, Elisa, your old hat at this point they know you already. Who are you talking old. this is your second episode you're practically a veteran oh. we're ushering you out for the new fresh blood j c your your very first break the business live stream Part- yeah, oh, I've, look at I've that. never
2: been. I've never been called fresh blood, Um, or at least it's been a really long time, but thank you for all the welcome. Um, I've been waiting here in this room for a year to get the call to do this. It wasn't COVID that kept me here uh, in this room. It was just waiting to do the podcast.
0: I'm excited to have you here, and man, I'm excited for the show we have this week. What a show. What a show. Coming up in the second segment, after you and I... And Elisa, I guess, is here, too. After we all talk for a bit, in the second segment, our guest is going to be Travis Rosenblatt. He's an A&R expert, the founding, founder of the AR platform, Meddling. And I'm excited to talk to him because what really Travis represents, guys, is this new revolution in AR. I don't know about you. When I think a and in the record company context, I immediately conjure up, like, uh, what's his face? Uh, the, the, the lead character from Begin Again, Mark Ruffalo's character in Begin Again, <laughs> right? Wandering into some dingy club one day and s- seeing Kira Knightley playing the song, and he just goes in that moment, I have discovered her, the next big thing, because I'm an A&R guy, and that's what we do. We rely on intuition and hunches to pick the next big artist. And that's always the way it's been, right? But what I think Travis represents, and we're going to find out, we're going to let him speak for himself in the next segment but he's the revolution in A and R, which is using data to tell the music industry who the next big thing is, using streaming and social media and stuff that's quantifiable. You know, not just the intuition of Mark Ruffalo going into a dingy bar in that movie Begin Again, but like real honest-to-God numbers. That's what Travis does. We're going to talk all about his platform and the work that he does. It's going to be super, super interesting. But first, guys, I want to begin with a cautionary tale. With something a little spooky, so much that I wish I had like queued up that Bach fugue that plays whenever a vampire walks in in a movie. You know, ooh, <laughs> look at the production values for the. At least always
2: comes through
1: with the
0: movies. This music. is why I'm here, y'all. For the people hey. listening on the podcast, that was it was like a creepy uh, <laughs> candle. Where, where did that snake is, come from? It
1: is it is an aromatherapy Bath and Body Works. A uh, vanilla and patchouli candle and an egg shaker from your finest guitar center. Thank you. What it is Just is it incentives. sets
0: an on, ominous mood for this cautionary tale brought to you from the scary pages of Rolling Stone magazine. Awesome article by Elias Light in, in Rolling Stone. I'm glad I'm talking to you two here because you're both musicians. You're both creators. You make Allegedly. Cool ta- like <laughs> you, you, you got the talent. <laughs> And so I want to run this hypothetical by you, okay? Sure. You are a creator. You're, you're, you're an artist. You like to make music. You like to put it on the, the cool platforms of the day these days, like TikTok and SoundCloud and things like that, right? But you're making music in your room, so you don't have a full band or, like, a full production value, but you got a cool idea for a song, right? You got your music. You got your lyrics. You got your chords. You wanna, and you want to get something out into the world. What do you need? Well, you need a beat, and thankfully, thanks to 21st century technology, we have platforms like BeatStars that provide all sorts of beats, right? You log on, you create an account, and there's all these people buying and selling beats on BeatStars. And that's where a lot of people will get their beats to, if you want to make a quick and dirty song that you want to put on SoundCloud, that you want to put on TikTok, and it's super easy. And then you look at the price tag of the things on BeatStars, right? $1,000 to buy a beat. You don't got that kind of scratch. But, but, a lifeboat, uh, a life preserver, if you will. You can lease that's the, the beat. You don't have to buy it. You can get like a, a one-year lease on this beat that will allow you five up to 500,000 streams or up to 100,000 streams, you can lease the beat for a year. And really, you're just trying to make a little cute song on TikTok, so that's all you need, right? And You can get that for 1995. I sound like a Ron Papael, right? Just 1995. Plus shipping and handling. But, oh, that's where they get you. Everybody knows. <laughs> um, so you rent the beat for 1995, and you put the song on TikTok, and wouldn't you know it, you got a little TikTok hit on your hands. It's doing, it's doing bank. It's kicking butt. You're even attracting the attention of potential music managers and record companies. Travis Rosenblatt's meddling platform. <laughs> has found out about you because you're doing crazy numbers on your data just wrap it all together and now here's where the cautionary tale comes in you get a phone call from a music manager who gives you the i'm gonna make you a star speech let's make a deal i'm gonna take your song to the moon baby <laughs> except he also bought your beat on Beatstars. stars because he knows that it's a beat, and he knows you probably got it on BeatStars, and he probably knows you don't have a lot of money, so you probably rented it. And so he's bought your beat. And so now that guy has become the landlord of your beat, and you can't do anything with the song going forward. If you want to make the song a giant hit, he's the guy standing in your way. And this is a common tactic that's, that uh, Elias Light wrote about in Rolling Stone that's happening more and more called Beat Buyouts. Where music managers and, and potential labels and people will buy a person's beat, knowing that they leased it, and basically can freeze the song unless you work with them, which kind of takes away all your negotiating leverage. And you know this is the this is the the nightmare horror that we're that I think is worthy of the scary like candle you held in front of the camera just now, Elisa, because this is scary stuff. <laughs> definitely
2: a growing sense of dread as you told that story the deeper it's, you got
1: it's interesting because it 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 almost sounds like people who who like sort of squat on domain names like right when they expire and then come back and be like well i'll sell it back to you for like 30 grand or whatever it, it just sounds like the just the next version of that for it,
0: music it is the tiktok version of cyber squatting it's got it's got that it's got that residue to it. And they actually interviewed the manager who did this to this kid. I'm not going to name any of their names. You can look it up in the Rolling Stone article. But basically, TikTok did what you expected TikTok to do to this manager once they found out what this manager did and have uh, you know, not made his life particularly pleasant. Now, what the manager says in his defense is, look, I'm not trying to you know screw the kid here. I'm I'm just doing this because I want to work with you as an artist, and I want to push this song, and so I just want to make sure that the song is already purchased, so we don't have to worry about the rights later. Oh,
2: wow! Yeah,
0: he's <laughs> helping you. He's guiding you. That's right. It's for you, man. It's for you. It's yeah. A, it's a little
1: light extortion <laughs> for your own good. And let I'm me say only this. holding
2: your arm behind your back for your good. That's
1: right. It's your a good. nice stretch. Don't you feel that?
0: Yeah, It's yoga. <laughs> You'll like the feeling of the <laughs> zip ties. They're great. Look, I, this isn't going to be just the dunking on manager show, okay? I'm, I'm not anti-manager. I, I have a lot of music managers as clients. I work with music managers, and some of the music managers I know are wonderful people who put the artist first. If a client of mine ever tried to do something like this I would drop them as a client without even thinking because this is I mean this is like he knows what he's doing here he's not you know oh I just want to you know make sure that I can work with you this is extortion he's trying to get leverage on a oh, indie yeah. artist that he knows doesn't have a lot of resources and the greater lesson I think in a story like this is something I think we always on these shows on these kind of music industry advice shows we always talk about preparing artists for failure, right? Here are all the danger scenarios that can happen. Here's what you do if, if people aren't buying your album. Here's what you do if you need money to make ends meet. But we don't talk enough about how to help creators prepare for success. And so many times when artists get in trouble, it's not because of their failures. It's because of their successes and not having the right things in place for them. So... If you're, you know, So if you're, if you're going to buy these beats and, and you're, and you're going to use beats and then put those songs on TikTok, be prepared for these kinds of things to happen. If you're just making a song for giggles and you don't think it could possibly be a hit and you're not in it to make a hit, you just want to make a song on TikTok, then maybe you lease it. But if you're in this for your career, don't put your music in a position where somebody else can effectively own you because you don't have your rights squared away. And if you can't afford a particular beat, if you can't afford to buy a particular beat on Beat Stars because of this, don't buy that beat. Get another beat. <coughs> so this doesn't happen to you. <laughs> um, but crazy, crazy story. I, I encourage people to check it out. Uh, Elias Light did some great reporting on this. And I, I mean, I feel very terrible for this artist. And um, I think he's coming out of it now, I hope. But important cautionary tale there, preparing for success. Uh, JC, last week on the program, we got to talk about GameStop and the stonks, uh, the the at Reddit <laughs> the Wall Street bets people that have taken out a bunch of hedge funds and turned the whole market on its head, somehow turned GameStop into a $25 billion company, which is kind of wacky. But you were telling me before the show started, JC, that all this has got you thinking about like what other companies uh, you'd like to see this done with.
2: Absolutely, because <laughs> as far as we're concerned... GameStop is over, kind of an afterthought. I mean, that's so the last biggest week. thing that I think any so so millennial yesterday. or Zoomer would tell you. It's like Game GameStop, like who? I don't is know her about that. <laughs> who who is she? I definitely don't know her. Um, but it got me thinking: what are some of the other sort of relics of the early aughts and before uh, that we used to hold so dear? Um, I'm. I mean, I remember standing outside GameStops for midnight releases with uh, people that might be in this very <laughs> chat room right Am now. Am I literally wearing um, a World of
1: Warcraft t-shirt I, right I now mean, while you're talking you about standing in line for Burning Crusade? That's it, what. Yeah, that's it what's may what's be what's a
2: what's thing what's that what's what's happened <laughs> back in the before time when we could uh, stand in lines next to people outside of things waiting for uh, things without that social distancing. Anyway. In the before time, there were things that we loved. Uh, and it got me thinking about Toys R Us. Oh. Oh. All right. Let that mm. feeling oh. of walking into a fresh Toys R Us just mm. wash over you. Oh, that
0: Toys R Us and smell. Oh God. It's
1: yeah. like when you that that Pour those like out. bike tires, mm. you know, yeah. when yeah. you get to that one particular yeah. section.
0: Mm. Yeah. Mm. Uh, the feeling of the video game receipt paper in your hand that you take uh, to the customer service desk. Uh,
2: yeah, Ugh. right to the window. Right and to the window. tell them to get, get that particular thing for me. Do you guys remember, there used to be a thing that I think Nickelodeon used to have uh, back in the day called the Super Toy Run? Uh, yes. I was obsessed. Okay, so as someone who not only basically the super toy run for the youngins in the crowd um, uh, was supermarket sweep because that's back now Yeah, that, yes. you, you can actually <laughs> use that example
0: now the youngins know uh, what supermarket sweep yeah, is because it's yeah. back <laughs> uh, sorry
2: uh, as Leslie said supermarket sweep
0: um, so
2: that's back and it's basically like five minutes to run through a toy store and get whatever you want mm. Uh, they, your mom probably told you to get one thing for your baby sister, uh, and just basically, uh, just get whatever you want. And I, mm-hmm. I thought, you know, if we could go back in the Wayback machine, we would definitely uh, prop up Toys R Us and have some more super fun runs. I don't, I can't imagine it's something that is still going on today. Now, JC, um,
0: in your fantasy world of this, so <laughs> you, you, you want the subreddit wall street bets
3: to not <laughs> yes. only
0: uh, engage in coordinated investment to make a, to prop up a company, but you want them legal to do it to a company that like from like 20 years ago, just suggesting. So, so 20 they, need years to, ago. they need to have like financial and time travel powers to make this Look, work. What
2: I'm saying is get doc Brown on the line. Uh, we can make this happen. I don't know. I, I'm pretty sure that Teslas are just as good as DeLoreans. <laughs> um, these are things that we could make happen. You know, Elon's got that in his next
0: update. Sense. Oh yeah, yeah, it's happening. You're gonna be able to download What's time gonna... travel, uh, Lauren. I don't know if this is something like this is. I'm really gonna be testing Lauren, my sister, and producers' <laughs> uh, abilities here. It's how, a new format. How quickly, Lauren, can you pull up some footage of Nickelodeon Super Toy Run for the uh... live stream guests? So that they can know what is what, what we're talking about here, because right, we're, we're you know this is a twenty something year old memory for us, and a lot of the youngins weren't alive when the joy of Super Toy Run was a thing. But you know this th- this was a, a, a tra- oh my oh she did it she did it nice was anybody oh, timing go. her that was a record time okay so play this for us I, I want like let's all relive Super Toy Run together ninety one. I'm ready oh, how it. old is this commercial? There's yes, a countdown. Yes,
1: I love
2: it.
0: All right, Elisa, can you narrate for us? Once a year, <gasps> All right, so we have black and life. white,
1: grainy, dramatic footage.
0: It's Nickelodeon Super Toy Run, a game grab of kids, <laughs> basically <laughs> supermarket <laughs> sweeping with giant T-shirts. Those are big. Yeah.
1: just scooping stuff into a cart
0: they're they're contest winners they get free running of a toy store I guess it's like a timer and they get to just as much stuff as they can fill and many toys they can fill the cart with yeah I think you had five minutes to just go ham. Oh, I could do damage in five minutes. Like the kids that are doing this though, these kids are amateurs.
1: Like, why are they not going
0: right for all the high-end electronics? Yeah. The video game receipts, like each one of those is like sixty bucks a pop. Like they're going after action figures.
2: Yeah. So personally, I would just be fully in the video game section. Uh, You'd probably have to drag me out of there. Yeah. Those are small. That's big. Basically, like uh, you know in supermarket sweep when they're in the, the prescription aisle or mm. the drug you know over the counter drug just just fully just, sweeping, sweeping do, just them in. Extend into the
1: your cart. arm and then yeah. in a full sprinkler motion just <laughs> scoop it in. But like, I mean, for me personally, we the we had these Barbies and they were fashion Barbies, and then you could buy these like little capsule wardrobe collections for each one. And I would just, I would just go for those because those were absolutely. I mean, I'd get like leftover packets of like Easy Bake recipes. stuff. Those are probably
2: investment items. I mean, the Barbie is not the Easy Bake. I, oh
1: yeah, no. I wouldn't no. recommend. I'm just hungry.
2: Thirty-year-old <laughs> Easy Bake.
1: All the big league,
0: chew. All the big. Oh, for sure. I mean, I yeah. I, I mean, I go right, right for the video games and. Just because of the nostalgia of it, I would go after all of the video game systems that I wanted the most as a kid. But, of course, were all of the systems that made it, like, three months. Like, I, <laughs> I want, I want the, uh, the Atari Jaguar and the mm-hmm. 3DO. The oh, Neo Geo. The Neo Geo. Um, CDI. Yeah. Oh, Dreamcast. <laughs> the freshest uh, Virtual Boy. Oh, my mm. God. That, that hurts. Blinded. Blinded a generation of millennials, that virtual boy. <laughs> Me,
2: I'm wearing my glasses right now, please.
0: Uh, uh, honest Dur- to God, I direct hit. I mean, I close my eyes even today and I can see the red, li- red pixelated lines of the virtual boy because it has just uh. permanently burned a tiny piece of my retina. <laughs> and, yeah, but of my, course, my
2: optometrist, all I have to do is just say virtual boy, and he's
0: like, I. I got your oh, prescription. Oh, yes. You are ready. Here. Oh, you are going to need the thick ones. I'll be. <laughs> yeah. Those are in the back.
1: Ah, uh, yes. i <laughs> will
0: need extra drops for you, sir. But
1: the, what, what's interesting? This is like a a KB toy place. I remember the the KB toys. And I, I mean, I mean, Toys R Us is one thing, but KB toys K-B. back when it was K A Y B E E, and not trying to like rebrand itself as some like hip initial. KFC like we don't know what that stands for so like but the one that I used to go to was like two stories actually it was two floors you'd like go up the stairs and like check out some uh-huh. I think like all the dolls and stuff were on the second section and there were, there was divided up and I'm like that would be yeah
2: I was like that would be it. a
1: nightmare it would be it would be a nightmare to to traverse that there would be several injuries I feel like I feel like there was one part in that clip where there was a kid swiping stuff, and it was a very, very tall shelf that was stacked very high with some sort of electronic toys. Nowadays, you know how quickly somebody would have gotten sued. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Something falls on me. I'm not walking out with $9,100. bucks. i am walking out. Owner of a KB toy store.
0: This is kind of a depressing <laughs> thought, but as I'm watching the clip of these kids that – we're probably our age in that clip, right? Um, oh. And so they're they're in their 30s today. And all I can think about is how much that experience of just having, like, unbridled free reign to have any, any material good your heart desires for a fixed period of, like, five minutes has mm-hmm. to do permanent, irreversible, profound psychological damage, such that I'm sure anybody who has participated in the Super Toy Run is just working through all sorts of things today.
2: Well, do you think they'd still use that as, like, their calling card, like, well into college?
0: Oh, my God. Like, just
2: I, wa- wearing the shirt and everything.
0: Fully. I would lead with it on every date. Every first date. That's the first... Because, because if, if I'm dating people in my generation, you I have know, to know that's a winner. Because yeah. they're going to yeah, have about 100 Super Toy Run questions, and that's... I'm just going to, you know... They're going to want to live vicariously through that mo- the five minutes of ecstasy that I had, extending my arm while a bunch of G.I. Joes tumbled into the cart. <laughs> Absolutely. Of course, of course I'm going to like talk about that at every, every turn and every opportunity. Oh, gosh. Oh, my heart beats just thinking about it because this is what Nickelodeon was growing up. It was... Them putting before you all of these amazing prizes, whether it was mm. Super Toy Run, whether it was trips to Space Camp if you won uh. Legends of the Hidden Temple, or trips to, uh, you know, Puerto Vallarta on the Sandals Resort or whatever. Like, whatever, the, right. like, these, these amazing things that nobody won, that nobody you knew ever won, and it just, like, filled you with heartbreak. Like, these were the most, like, important things that every person in our generation wanted. And none of us ever got them. And so we're all sort of defined by that loss.
1: I'm, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and take over the show and just say, if anyone of y'all is listening and or watching and owns a piece of the aggro crag that you could take a picture of and send it to us, please do.
0: Yeah. Hard to believe this is an entertainment business show, huh? Yeah. jc comes in with you one got- story about super Toy, when we get 20 minutes out of it because we oh, want nostalgia fully off
2: the rails we're entertained th- that's what you brought me in here for it's to take the show fully off the
0: rails um <laughs> but uh a, a, a entertainment business show we are indeed uh poor travis rosenblatt has to follow that but i know that it's going to be every bit as exciting we're going to take the quickest of breaks we'll be right back with our guest here on break the business thank you so much for listening Ryan Corella here. I hope you're enjoying the show, and I hope that you're getting a lot out of it. I do what I do because I care about creators like you. A lot. I've dedicated my career to helping creative professionals, entrepreneurs, and organizations move forward. I do it by hosting this program, and I'm also proud to do it in my legal practice. If you're a creative professional looking for solutions-oriented legal services to help you further your goals, I'd love to help. My firm RKPA does contracts, commercial law, copyright, trademark, and more. Visit rkpalaw.com to learn more. That's rkpalaw.com. Ryan A. Carella, PA, Miami, Florida.
1: Streaming services for Break the Business provided by L.E.K. Entertainment. L.E.K. Entertainment is a full-service entertainment company offering everything from consultations to full-scale events and productions, including... Audio and video productions, voiceovers, staged theatrical productions, script and music development, and streaming services. For more information, visit lekentertainment.com. LEK Entertainment wants to
0: help you bring your story to life. thanks for supporting break the business if you have a question or topic that you want us to discuss email us at breakthebusiness@gmail.com. at gmail.com you can follow the host that's me on twitter at ryan kair and you can follow the show at the btb podcast be sure to subscribe to the show on twitch youtube and facebook and on all major podcast platforms and now let's get back to the show welcome back everybody Let's go ahead and bring in our guest. So excited to talk to him. He is the creator of Meddling, an a software platform that provides a data compiling and analytics for music industry organizations. You can find out more about his work by visiting meddling.co. Happy to talk to Travis Rosenblatt on Break the Business. Hi, Travis. Hey,
3: thank you guys for having me.
0: So excited to have you here. I hope you tolerated our nonsense. <laughs> And I I thought when we went into our our second 10 minutes of super toy run talk that you were going to head for the hills, but you stayed with us, my man. I appreciate it. I was actually kind of concerned.
3: I had to do a double check around my apartment to make sure I wasn't going to get uh, Nickelodeon slimed as soon as the camera
0: turned Ah. on. Lauren, please make a note for next time. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. so Just kidding. Here comes the (laughs) slime. Oh, no. You know what? Let me ask. Were you a Nickelodeon person growing up? What was your show?
3: <laughs> yeah sure legends of the hidden temple very invested every time oh. uh, I think I could have done it so much better and I, I can't believe that I was never given the opportunity
0: nobody could ever assemble that damn silver monkey right Thank just you. three pieces three pieces <laughs> just That's all, all it is. is. That's just... all it is. <laughs> oh, okay so I want to talk to you about A&R I also want to talk to you about legends of the hidden temple but I'm pretty sure your Fair publicist enough. will kill me if I don't talk to you about A&R uh, you, uh, you have created what has been described as the Bloomberg terminal for a and What does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
3: it means that it, it, we need a, way, a good way to keep track of, of artists and tracks and music that is kind of existing in the ecosystem around us, just to know what's going on out there. Uh, and there hasn't been a good way to do that all in one place before. Uh, it's something that I just wanted myself as an A and R person to be able to use, uh, and it took off kind of as its own own business, largely accidentally.
0: Wow! And uh, before, when when you when we were in the first segment, when we were actually were still briefly talking about the entertainment business, we were talking <laughs> about this shift in A and R, right? Where when most people think of A and R, they think of. Uh, crusty executives going into bars and and trying to find the next big thing in a room and then and they're relying on their gut feeling, right? Like I knew in my heart that that person's the next big thing. And we're seeing that kind of movement give way to a data revolution in a&r where we're relying on things that are more quantifi- quantifiable. Uh, is is ANR an art or a science? Are we replacing the the ANR tastemaker?
3: No, I think it's still both. I think at the end of the day, ideally You want to be in the club identifying talent and signing, you know, a a record deal on a beer-soaked pool table at Trash Bar on Grand Street. Like, that's still what you want to be doing. Uh, You just need to be smart then about how you're spending time, how you're discovering things. How do you know that you're supposed to be at that show? How do you know that you're supposed to be listening to uh, this track uh, it used to be very easy not very easy, I should say, but it, it was easier to keep track of everything that was going on in the ecosystem. You could kind of know your managers, know your lawyers, know your agents, and know that you were not missing anything. Uh, and now we have, you know, was it 40,000 tracks uploaded every day or whatever the status, like there are just, there's so many more artists in the ecosystem, which is great. We have so much great music out there. Uh, but now it's become a challenge. How do you sort through that? How do you prioritize? How do you know that you're you're just catching everything that's out there? I try to be very clear. I'm not replacing anybody as a tastemaker. I'm not trying to tell anyone what to go and sign. I'm trying to give people, you know, a, a list of things to listen to in the order that they should probably listen to it in.
0: So Mark Ruffalo, from character from Begin Again, <laughs> does not have to worry about being thrown out on the street. So how does, what does meddling do to provide that extra benefit to labels and other uh, users of this software? Uh, w- what is it doing for them uh, operationally in practice?
3: Um, so in really, really stupid terms, it's just keeping track of, of the internet. Uh, it's looking at, you know, music consumption, what are people tagging, what are people streaming, what's getting played where, what are people sharing, uh, what are people looking for, um, you know, what artists are having, what reaction where, and you can, you know, drill down, specify territory, genre, uh, you know, similar to, you you can get pretty down into what you'd be looking for anyway. um, And then just very quickly tells you what's going on there. Because the odds are, you know, that band playing that club, or was it Keira Knightley in that movie? I'd have to go back and look. Uh, <laughs>
0: We're giving a know, lot of pub to that movie, man.
1: <laughs> uh, <think> <laughs> thanks movie, to right? our sponsor, Begin Again, now on DVD.
3: Uh, it, whatever it was, you know what you're looking for, you know where it is. I'm guessing that the equivalent of that artist nowadays probably has some kind of online presence uh that you want to be aware of and keep track of and and somebody's got to tip you off that that show is happening to begin with. And that's all.
0: That is reliable. And now my distinguished panelists here surely have questions for you, but before I let them have at you, I, I, when I was looking at your uh, bio, I saw something in there that caught my eye and I know is of particular import to the three of us. So you managed Rick Ross for a year. You need to know that all of the people that hosted that are hosting this show right now grew up in Miami. Uh, JC grew up in Miami, right. lives in Portland. Elisa grew up in Miami, lives in Dallas. I grew up in Miami, and I'm still here in Miami. Rick Ross <laughs> okay. is basically the mayor. <laughs> and So for for these Miami explains a lot
3: about how the city's run. Actually, yeah,
0: that's fair. <laughs> that it you know, tracks. Um, no? but for the for the Miamians who you know know this. Uh, particular gentleman, do you have one Rick Ross story that you can share ah! without any anybody getting like arrested or in trouble?
2: This is a family uh, show.
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay. Twitch does have a terms of service.
3: Yeah. <laughs> just saying. Get yeah, you guys kicked off real quick. It'd be your last <laughs> last podcast ever. Um, yeah, unfortunately, I think that limits me to to stories that will just embarrass me. Um, I'll take it. So obviously rolls with a pretty large crew. Um, Most of them don't look like me. Uh, I'm sitting down right now, but I'm, you know, I'm six foot tall, fairly lanky white guy. Uh, And I would get pulled out anytime we went anywhere by security. Like, excuse me, who are you with? What, you know, what are you trying to do? They thought I was trying to sneak in, you know, with the crowd. Um, And I would have to like get, Ross to come back and get me and like vouch for me at security every time. Um, and we were doing a, a press run around, you know, uh, midtown stopping at BTM TV and everywhere. And, um, and he was just sick of doing this. So, uh, at, like the, the third or fourth time that day. Uh, it's not like, you know, the, the, whatever entourage carries ID or anything. Um, he gives me a, a Maybach Music Group do-rag. And he says, here, wear this. This will help. <laughs> and uh, I was not going to put that on. That, was, that seemed like that was probably not going to
0: help. Oh. Tell me that somewhere in the universe, <sighs> if I dispatched a team of thousands and gave them an unlimited budget, could I find this photo of you somewhere? <laughs>
3: i never put it on my head i you know i tucked it into like a pocket so it was like hanging Mm. out of the pockets
1: Ooh, like Uh, a kerchief nice yeah that's
3: that's the best i could figure out how to do on on short notice like an ascot yeah (laughs) right (laughs) you never
2: never got around to the i'm with rick t-shirt happening i don't
3: know that that would have sold it either but you know (laughs) thankfully thankfully these days are long behind me i don't have to worry about this too much
0: (laughs) Is there a backstory for how that happened?
3: Uh, yeah, I, I ended up working um, for—I uh, mean, I, I personally was doing AR in a, in a lot of indie alternative. I worked for Warner Brothers for a couple of years. Mom and Pop worked for three hundred, and when it was—and um, it ended up accidentally working in, for a lot of guys who had a lot of history in, in hip hop and rap. And before three hundred became a label, we were doing artist management. Um, and we were, it was literally three of us at a time we were doing, um, uh, Kanye, Mariah Carey and, and, Rick. And, and, I think I drew the short straw or the medium sized straw or the long, I don't know how that actually, what, who, I don't know who lost <laughs> in, in any of that. Um, is this
2: in a 2020 numbers
3: or? Yeah. God, uh, but so that's how, uh, that's how it ended up happening. Man,
0: that is That's completely wild. As I'm like reading about you and all these different attributes, um, it was sort of like a a, which of these one things is not like the other kind of scenarios. We're like running through all this, you know, CEO, uh, manager, producer, management, Ross, for a year, okay. (laughs) But but what, what it just goes to show you is that you have the sort of diverse career experience where you've worked in all the sectors that makes you the right sort of person to create these kind of tools. How, have you been able to work with a lot of labels with your, your software? How have they responded to it?
3: Yeah. I mean, so I should be clear. I, uh, you know, I was doing A&R uh, for a long time, and, and I had asked everyone in the market already to build this um, for me, uh, and no one did. And so uh, I left the last company I was working for, and I had some time in my hands and took some online coding courses, put together a super early version, uh, that I thought would just help me in my next A&R job. And then I sent it around to, you know, the heads of, of a A&R around town. I was talking about jobs. Um, and they were the ones who said, uh, this is great. You know, how much should we pay you for it? And that was the first time I was like, Oh, this is a business. Uh, this isn't just something I'm going to use. This is something that everyone's going to use. Um, so it took about eight months of, uh, learning how to code, coding it, putting it together and, and getting my first customers on, um, but those, I mean, those first customers were it was Universal Music Group worldwide and, and Atlantic US. And um, uh, you know, fast forward today, I, I probably have around twenty customers, um, and it's you know uh, anybody from uh, well, I still have have Universal worldwide, but also some some indies um, that uh, that have come around the the for 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 years, and even when I started it. Um, the idea of, of even, you know, looking at data to help you in any way was offensive to a lot of people. Um, I would, you know, get called names, laughed out of rooms, whatever. I'd have, you know, A&R executives tell me, you know, how dare I? They they have ears made of gold. They hear hits and in, in they're
1: mm-hmm.
3: um And it has just taken a while to kind of come around and and now those same, you know, executives are, are pretty heavy users, but it's really taken a while to get there. Um, and I think it's just, I mean, it's, it's a lot of things, you know, all of those guys eventually figured out how to use, uh, you know, their iPods instead of just burning CDs or, Mm. or whatever. Um, and then figured out, you know, what streaming was and got there. Uh, and you had a younger generation of executives starting to get, you know, promoted and, and have some respect in the system. And you started seeing a lot of hits on the board um, that were what we used to call research records. Um, that were things that, you know, were found uh, by people doing this, by people just keeping tabs on what was going on out there. And I still don't think we, we really have it figured out yet or they haven't really figured out yet on what that balance is. How do you use data in a way that's not just grabbing you know, flash in the pan, whatever's mm. happening yeah. right now. But um, it is a a tool, a good tool to figure out what's happening. I think you'd be hard-pressed to find, you know, something in the top 200 nowadays that wasn't something that was originally flagged uh, somewhere by, you know, by data somewhere.
0: There's something... That, um, yeah, oh. go ahead.
1: No, uh, that, that was going to kind of lead to my next question because in my previous life as an influencer manager in video games, we use social listening software, which... Forgive me if I'm incorrect, but this almost sounds like a form of social listening software sure. where you're kind of scraping, you know, trying to get, you know, trending topics and folks. And one of the things that I know I would run into is folks kind of learning how to, you know, cheese the algorithm with things like Twitch views or just spamming certain tags or whatever. And so as, as a, you know, quantitative and qualitative researcher... Um, how can a label or you know anybody interested think of using meddling in in combination with you know kind of qualitative methods or like ways to kind of separate the wheat from the chaff from folks that are just kind of trying to spam the system, if you will?
3: It's pretty easy to figure out who's spamming the system. Um, they're not going to have you know equal interaction across different platforms. They're not you know the fan base will be pretty hollow. Uh, those things you can you can. Pretty quickly, just weed out automatically, um, and I already do that. So it doesn't present them, you know, those those folks to them to begin with. Anyway, uh, the rest is it really has to be up to the record company. If we're we're you know keeping two labels for now, um, and I feel fine picking on them, so we can. Uh, <laughs> you really have to to depend on them. They, I mean, they they're they're supposed to have to, two core competencies. They're supposed to be able to identify artists. And then successfully market those artists. And it still is up to them to identify those artists. They have to, you know, the first thing that, that you do on my platform, if something pops up, is it'll open up a player for you. You can listen to the song. Like, you still have to understand the sound, understand where it goes. You still have to have a vision for the artist's career, uh, or there's, there's really very little point in just grabbing onto something other than market share.
0: You can find out more about our guest's work by visiting www.meddling.co. Our guest is Travis Rosenblatt, the creator of Meddling, A&R expert and a, a fan of Legends of the Hidden Temple, which means you're welcome around here anytime, good sir. <laughs> okay. One last question before we let you go, Travis. Do you have any last tips for the indie creators out there to help them move their careers forward?
3: Um, stop DMing A&Rs on Instagram. They don't like it. <laughs> Um, try, build a community. Uh, I know it's hard right now without live shows, but think about uh, not just you know how, to, how do I get my song to go viral with a dance or get in front of influencers or whatnot. Develop your own community. Uh, you know, who are the artists? If you search for yourself on Spotify, who are the other top five recommended artists? Do you know them? Why don't you know them? Why haven't you done a song together yet? Why haven't you done a live stream together yet? Uh, look at, at who your fans are. How do you want to interact with them? Um, you don't have to, you know, be on the phone with them every day, but you can uh, have a conversation with them. You can understand where they live, where, uh, I don't mean that geographically, but also, yes, like where are they spending their time? Be in front of them. Um yeah, I would, would really hesitate, try not to, to kind of jump ahead and, uh, and go for, you know, how do I get this song in, in a movie? How do I get this song in a, you know, in a viral clip? How do I make something so outrageous that it gets eyeballs? Because those are fleeting eyeballs.
0: Yeah, that's great stuff. My, my neck is strained from nodding so darn much. It's <laughs> really, really terrific. Great insight. Great platform. Travis, thank you so much for joining us this week. Thank you guys for having me. Appreciate it. You bet. Oh gosh, I, I I gotta say, guys, I really love the kind of interviews where you just know that person is the right combination of smart and also passionate about what they do, and it shines through with every word they say. It just sweats out of every pore. And he's that kind of guy. He's my guy. I and of course he managed Rick Ross, so that's you know freaking awesome. Like, what are you, what are you do you get to? That's uh, yeah and.
2: The best thing is when someone says, well, I asked someone to build it and no one did. So I (laughs) made it myself, which is kind of, you know, the indie way.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's great. Yeah, There's so much to like about him. Again, you can check him out at meddling.co. And lest you think that the awesome guest train uh, is stopping here on episode two of our live streams, it's very much not. Next week's guest is going to be pretty terrific. We got... The CEO of the Mechanical Licensing Collective, Chris Aaron, and I'm going to tell you guys right now, he's got something that's going to help you two make some money tomorrow, and we're going to do a public service because I'll, I'll give you a little tip. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to hint a little bit about what Chris is going to talk about next week. Okay, as of January of this year, the Mechanical Licensing Collective, which is was created by the Music Modernization Act of 2018 became active. This is now the nonprofit organization that collects all of the mechanical licenses paid by all the streaming services, the Spotify's, the Apple Music's, and the download services like iTunes. So Spotify, Apple Music, all those people, they're paying the music mechanical licensing collective, and if you want to make sure you get paid, you got to get signed up with them. And if you have a publishing company, you're probably already signed up. If you have a publishing administrator like a song trust, you're already signed up. But a lot of self-administered artists, a lot of artists that listen to this podcast, perhaps the two artists I'm talking to right now are probably not signed up and are missing out on streaming royalties uh, from mechanical licenses. And so that's what we're going to talk to Chris Aaron about next week. He's going to lay out how to get signed up and uh, how to make, like, it's, it's, it's J.G. Wentworth. It's your money. Like, you want it now? Go get it. It's sitting on that freaking platform right now. You probably already have mechanicals. <laughs> go like, get it. Like, I'm talking to you, indie artists. Like, go if you get self-administer it. Go. your own publishing, go to the, But we're going to find out how to do that next week, so I'm pretty excited for that. Speaking of, you know, artists doing cool stuff, Elisa... You were telling us that you are working on your EP right now. You're getting a project out. I'm like this is great. <laughs> I, I kind of like the idea work... of getting sort of being able to follow your progress uh-huh. on your own project in real time on this podcast each week. No, this
1: is good. Keep me honest, because holy mackerel, this has been difficult in the middle of a panorama <laughs> to to even get like the to even get the motivation, you know, and and the spoons. Um, but it's actually been really cool because the last time we recorded an EP was 10 years ago and that was in you know in a time where like we had to, you know, play out and, you know, hope that, you know, Travis would walk in the door <laughs> at the club that we were performing at. <laughs> um, um, but now it's, it's, it's really weird because all of my bandmates are separated and scattered to the four winds. And this is kind of our last EP that we're kind of doing together, I think, before Evan and I just be like, let, 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 let's see if we can churn out more tunes, just the two of us. And maybe we don't have to, like, do this every 10 years. Maybe it could be, like, a song a month or something. So um, this is
2: under the banner of Crimson.
1: This is under the banner of Crimson. Crimson um, is back. Crimson is back. Crimson beep is back, and <laughs> it's um, it's four songs on this EP, um, and I jokingly call it the Loose Ends EP because it's it's three you know, it's two songs. Well, yeah, technically three songs that we used to play together as a band, two original songs and one cover, and uh, one new song that Evan and I wrote. Uh, last year that is really weird because usually we would write a song, take it to the band, we'd perform it as a band and whatever, but this is like a brand new tune that has not touched any other bandmates and so it's really weird like making you know, quote unquote, like making music without them or like making the song in a computer instead of the band first, which is a really old lady thing to say (laughs) because Billie Eilish is here like being amazing with a laptop, you know, <laughs> and her brother in a bedroom. Yeah. So like, you know, but but it's it's an it's been an interesting experience, you know, making making this stuff in a completely different
2: way. So I mean, you just mentioned some really sort of modern stuff. Uh that your band is not all in the same city as no. you, and so you are collaborating Essentially, digitally. Yep. How are you making this happen?
1: Um. Thank you, JC. That's great. Um. Um. Fa- thank up. you. Uh, <laughs> um. Yeah. So, um. The what we did was we recorded. Um. You, you can see some of the clips on a video available right now at youtubecom rockdoc There's actually. footage of this happening um we recorded a guide track so just like a cheesy acoustic version of the tune um and then with evan on a microphone being like okay and then this drum fill goes here and then you go dagadoo here and like all that stuff and then we sent literally sent that off to the drummer (laughs) so that he could play stuff um and then he has his (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, shout out to uh, Evan Lamb, guitar player in the chat that says, I swear I'll finish guitars soon. Thank you for watching live along uh, with with us. Um, Target date 2028. But Brian has his own studio. I mean, Brian uh, at, at Brian Lang Music, amazing drummer. Um, he's had to kind of be like, hey, well, I can't play out as much as I used to. So he had to basically craft his own studio in his bedroom in order to basically fulfill stuff during quarantine. And um, so he just recorded stuff and sent it to us back. And so we have all his drum tracks, and we can kind of plug them into Logic. And then uh, since we have our our bass player, Alex, he mostly plays synth bass, and that's just MIDI. So he could literally send us a MIDI file, and then we just put it in here, and then we can make the bass sound however we want. So it's, it's weird because... It's, it's, you know, like the one silver lining that we can find about the core is that it like forced people to very quickly innovate on remote collaborative music making um, in a way that is really cool and actually like surprisingly, um, I think, successful. Like the fact that Evan is able to track guitars like literally in our spare bedroom with the new setup that he has now is kind of bananas. No. And I could not have envisioned this 10 years ago. <laughs>
0: Alisa, I know that your initial instinct when I ask this question is going to be to answer this with, hey, one step at a time, damn, but <laughs> I know you and I know you've given some at least initial thought to how you might want to promote this EP once Ooh. it gets out there because, you know, just as you noted, the methods that are available to artists today to create music are different than what they were 10 years ago. And the methods that artists use to promote music are different than what they were ten years ago. And I know you've dove into some of those things. Have you? What initial thoughts have you given to that process? Gosh, um,
1: well, I'm trying to like be like TikTok famous or whatever. But um, so, well, I mean, one one of the things I'm doing is like in just realizing the process of being a content creator. Um, instead of doing this thing, it's you know, it's it's almost like the I, I used to be a you know kind of old game industry like you know six you know like like two year marketing campaign whatever um now it's sort of like a Beyonce moment like announce and drop but at the same time it's also like an early access moment because instead of me being like no don't hear this yet it's not perfect no I'm only gonna release my baby when like all four songs are absolutely perfect now I'm like eh. Maybe I'll just, like, let him listen to, like, a raw drum take or something. Or, yeah. like, you know, maybe I'll let him listen to, you know, I'll, I'll live stream. You know, sorry for signing you up for this, Evan. But, like, a live stream, you know, him doing a, a guitar uh, track on Twitch at some point. So it's almost like it's not so much upon release I've thought of as much as building hype for it as the creation is actually happening to get folks invested in it Mm -hmm. ahead of time.
2: It's not about shining it up till it's like perfect release moment that we probably would have had even before the Panda Express. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) You really want to put people right in the middle of the process because we've had all this time to sort of get creative on our own. And I think people like seeing other people have a creative moment and then see the final product at the
1: end. And to Travis's point, it's about building a community, right? So it's like, I have folks on Patreon and they will get early access to songs before they go live. Um, And there are folks on my Discord that are like super excited to get any kind of behind the scenes stuff. And like, those are the folks that are going to end up being your evangelists when the song drops um, or the EP drops or whatever it is. So it's like... Its like have I thought about like how like what I'm gonna do after it ends up on the streaming platforms? Nah, not really. Um, I'll probably end up making you know a version of a, of a video. like I don't think I'm gonna you know do like major production value music video, but who knows, but maybe some sort of lyric video on YouTube to make sure that is up there, make sure my lyrics are up on genius. like all of those like nice little admin things, but I haven't thought that far ahead. I, I, how about this? I would love to just finish the damn thing. Because this thing is 10 years in the making.
0: Well, there's that. No. So there's that. You bring up an interesting point about you, you not caring as much about showing people perfection. And I really do think that's a, that's a huge difference between the inter- indie entertainment industry as a whole today versus 10 years ago. Because when, we, when, when indie artists were making music 10 years ago or even 20 years ago, what, would, what did they always tell us, right? What did you need? You needed a press kit with a polished set of photos that had to be professionally done and airbrushed and you got to look like a freaking like model and it's all got to be photoshopped and well lit
1: all bring in like old headshots to just
0: exercise that particular demon. (laughs) You will sooner see Travis Rosenblatt in that do (laughs) rag before you see any of my like damn headshots or press kit photos from, from like 10 or 20 years ago. But, but that's what it was, right? Like everything, like your, your photos had to be polished, your music had to be polished. And today's listeners, today's viewers, whether it's podcasts or live streams or anything, they want the raw stuff. They want to feel like they're part of your process. They want to see the dirty because it makes them feel like they're true fans. They don't want, like, there's such a distaste for finished product. People like the lo-fi stuff. It's really interesting. But it's a great shift for indie artists because all that polish is expensive and it's time-consuming. Which doesn't help, you know, indie creators. But if you can, but if it's all about just churning out stuff and it doesn't matter if it's perfect because they just want to see your process, that's favorable to someone in your situation, Elisa.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, here's here's hoping. Um, there there is, you know, like like you know, as 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 we come up on the end of the show, and I said, you know, teaser nugget about a wider discussion we can have later about balancing um, access to your community with the development of parasocial relationships and feeling like they have some ownership over the content that you have, and that's a fun dynamic to, like, play off of, and that's a whole other show. <laughs> um, but it, it, it is important, though, and it's also important for me personally um, because I am that kind of, like... I say, you know, people tell me perfect is the enemy of good and it's like yeah good bad perfect good you know <laughs> that's what that means right that means i got to go extra perfect and it's like no 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 like just 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 do the damn thing and and make it be done <laughs> already um and 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 that is that kind of like early access moment is making me more comfortable to being like just just produce just make stuff and make it quickly it and keeps people just keep you honest yeah. i think that
2: in inviting people into the process gives you deadlines um like you just said it, it, it's got to be done and so your community can help move you forward uh with that process whereas you have someone I, I, we are kindred spirits in being perfectionists uh so we're just probably
0: gonna sit on it um you know if, if we don't have that and oh. the well go ahead elisa for the members of the break the business community who want to be a part of your process who just are already thoroughly entertained by you and want to be thoroughly entertained by you some more, where can they find out more about you?
1: Well, if you have questionable taste, also you can join me at at ElisaRockDoc on basically all social platforms. That is also a very important thing as a creator. just makes it very, very easy if everything you do is brand consistent. At E-L-I-S-A-R-O-C-K-D-O-C. You can find me on TikTok, hopefully a lot more um, nowadays, because that's just fun for any uh, lapsed uh, musical theater nerd slash musician <laughs> to be a part of um, but also you can uh, support the stuff at patreon.com slash Elisa Rock and if you want some more footage including some really old grainy band footage of us performing in cosplay you can check that out uh, at the Crimson EP Winter Update uh, over at youtube.com slash Elisa Rock
0: JC where can they find you out in the world uh
2: I am Jay Sizzle on Twitter, uh probably making sporadic comments about nothing important. Uh so you can find me there. Uh Jay Sizzle IG on Instagram, which I don't use. Um and you can be my third or fourth follower on TikTok uh at Jay Sizzle. You're on
0: TikTok? Let me get my Instant Let me get follow my out right now. Instant right now. follow. But, oh,
2: I have now I have to make content. You're keeping me <laughs> honest.
1: Hashtag silhouette challenge, hashtag busset oh, yes. challenge. Let's go.
0: Let's you have, do if you it. have a question or show topic you'd like for us to talk about on the program, you can email us at breakthebusinessgmail.com at or you can tweet at us at the BTV podcast or follow me on Twitter at Ryan K A I R. All great ways to get in touch with me and get in touch with the show. And this show is at its best when it is a resource for you. So let's make this a two-way street, people. If, you want, if there are things you want us to talk about, if there are questions you want answered, if there are people in the music industry that you want interviewed, email us. Breakthebusiness at gmail.com and we'll give you what you need. It has been a pleasure hanging out with you two this week and with this whole awesome Break the Business community. Thank you all so much for listening. We will see you next week on the program.